Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. So glad you guys are here. And, you know, we've had so many new folks over the last couple of years. You know, from time to time, I think probably necessary just to introduce myself. I'm Rob Young. I'm the executive uh, pastor of ministries here at Crossgate. Um, I've been here for a while, but like I said, there's so many new faces. And so it's just so glad to be with you. Um, as you heard just a moment ago, Pastor Phil was giving our, giving our announcements. And, uh, but this morning, uh, he and Pastor Keith are, are sharing and uh, leading our Membership Matters class this morning upstairs in the loft area. And so today I have the privilege of being able to, to share with you uh, from God's Word. And so I'm going to ask you to turn to uh, the book of Galatians. If you have your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 6. If you have a device, pull that up. Galatians chapter 6. We'll be starting in verse 1. But before we, and as you're turning there and uh, preparing, uh, just want to remind you of a couple of things that are very important that are just right on us. Matter of fact, one of them is today. And that is after the second service today, we're having a meeting in the conference room, which is located on the upper level, the furthest stairs away from where we are on the other side of the room uh, of the mall area, up the top of those stairs, take a right at the very top, and that's where the conference room area is for disaster relief. It's an interest meeting. And so some of you have been involved in this in the past. Maybe when we say disaster relief, that stirs something in your heart that you want to be a part of. So we invite you to be a part of that meeting. It's just an interest meeting. And it'll be immediately following the second service today around 1215. And so we encourage you to be a part of that. Also, coming up in three weeks from today, is uh, we'll be having uh, opportunities to donate blood here on campus again. That'll start at 10 a.m. in the morning and go to 3 o'clock in the afternoon and if you've ever if you've given blood lately and they have your contact your phone has been blowing up because mine has been blowing up and the need apparently is just so great matter of fact it's so great I saw a TV commercial yesterday that was local to our state and just speaking of the tremendous need for for donation there our church always does a tremendous job with that but I really want to encourage you because of this this need that 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 is even higher than, than normal, that you sign up for that. Make a note uh, to be with us on the 26th, and you can register for a time already by going to our website, click under events. You can find blood donation. You can click on that and register for a time that would be most convenient for you. And so I pray that you'll do that. And, uh, and another way that we can serve um, our community. Well, Guys, you, you heard earlier, uh, and if you've been around our, you know, our church for any length of time at all, you've heard, and you heard Phil mention it this morning, our purpose, taken from Matthew 28, to make more and better disciples for Jesus Christ. Also, not only is that our purpose, but we have seven priorities, priorities that we focus on here at Crossgate that help us to carry out that purpose of making more and better disciples. And this morning, what I'm going to share with you really falls more under this, the, the, the priority of biblical community. It's, and what we say here at Crossgate about biblical community is we, we share community with other Christ followers by encouraging one another through relationships of love, trust, 
authenticity, and transparency. You see, at Crossgate, we say membership matters. Being part of, of community matters. But I think we live in a culture today, guys, and I, you know, and I hear it more and more. It's like, you know, why is it important? You know, why is it important to be connected, to be a member of a local body of believers, to, be a, you know, to have a spiritual family? You know, I, I've heard that question. What, what is the, you know, the, the, the plus of that? Well, today I want to look at what Paul shared with the Galatian church in chapter 6 about the value of being a part of a biblical community. By actually sharing with you the second part of a message that I started quite a bit ago. See, we're between series, and so this kind of a standalone message. But as I was preparing for this, I, I, did, I wasn't really thinking about this back when I shared in November but I shared from Galatians chapter 6, and I shared about verse 1. And I shared the how thankful I was for verse 1 and for biblical community and how that has helped my life to stay, uh, you know, my life to stay on, uh, on the path that God has for me through, through biblical community, through you guys and the relationships that I have, especially with a few of you that help hold me accountable. But as I was preparing and thinking about what I would share today, I thought God brought to my mind that not only is that so vital, but the second verse that Paul shares in, in Galatians chapter 6, I remember when I shared that message, I was so disappointed that I didn't have time to even get into that. And so today we're going to kind of briefly just kind of go back over what I talked about in November very quickly, and then we're going to spend a line share talking about verse 2 through 5 where Paul really talks about the value of biblical community. It should answer the question, why should I want to be a part of community? Why is it important? Why does God not only suggest it, but, but commands that we do? And, but why does he do that? And what is our role in that? And so we're going to look at that. Now, Paul begins in chapter 5, and just a very quickly, where he tells us what living a life in the spirit looks like the nature of the spirit controlled life what does it look like to be walking by to be led by to live by the holy spirit in galatians chapter 5 verse 22 god's word says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control this law is not against such things. Or maybe your translation says, against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so what Paul is sharing with us is that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you. And from that moment, the Spirit, along with His Word, along with God's people, help us to mature and develop what He's sharing with us here, this fruit of the Spirit and these characteristics of this fruit. That is, if you and I are daily abiding in Christ, that is the direction of our life, not perfection, because there's no one here that could claim that. 
But if the direction and purpose of our life is to abide in Christ daily, to allow the Holy Spirit of God to transform my life, to mature me in my faith journey, then what we will begin to see are these characteristics, these qualities of the fruit of the Spirit. And then in chapter 6 is this continuation of the discussion on the Spirit. It is about now that the Spirit of God is living in me, now that I'm seeking to abide and allow the Spirit, His Word, His people and community transform my life, then how am I to live this life out practically? In biblical community, through genuine love. I love this quote by Pastor Crawford Loritz. He says, there is no such thing as healthy Christianity without healthy community. There is no such thing as healthy Christianity without healthy community. The first fruit or quality of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians 5 is love. And the word there in in the original language speaks of a sacrificial love. It's the church's unique mark before the world. You see, Jesus in John chapter 13 says this, and we're going to come back to this, so this is important. Jesus says, I give you a new commandment to love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Everyone will know by this that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Listen to that last, that last sentence, verse 35. Everyone will know by this that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, when Jesus said this, he was speaking to the disciples. He had left the Lord's Supper. He was on his way to the garden, and he stops on the, on the way And he turns and he tells the the disciples this statement. A new commandment I give you. Guys, I'm going to tell you. Now for us, it's just hard for us to conceive this. This would have stopped them in their tracks. A new commandment. And then he's speaking to those who are already following him. Remember, Judas has already left. And he's saying to those who are following him, the world's going to know that you love me by the way you love each other. You see, you and I were not created for independent living. We're created to be dependent on God vertically and to be interdependent horizontally with each other. You see, Christianity is not just a me and Jesus religion. And we, and we hear that a lot. Sometimes, sometimes if, we're, if we're honest, we act that way. It's like we, we try to live our lives apart from the community of faith. We hear this a lot. I can worship Jesus on the lake. I can worship him in, in nature. And guys, that's true. You know, I mean, I, you know, I love the, I'm a mountains guy. You know, some people are, are you know, they're, they're the ocean people and then there's the mountain people. I'm the mountain people. And when I see God's creation, man, I do, I feel his, his majesty, his power. I, I, you know, Tula will tell you, I just, I, I love to be there. It, it, I feel close there. But if you understand the word of God in, in Scripture, 
It doesn't stop there. He calls us to be interdependent upon each other and our faith family. You see, church is not an event that you attend on Sunday, but a spiritual family that you belong to. Paul speaks of two things that a spiritual family does to demonstrate genuine biblical love for each other, and it's restoration and burden bearing, which starts in verse 2. Now, very quickly, let me remind you what I shared back in November, and that simply is this. Verse 1, look at it. Let's look together. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so you also won't be tempted. I love what he says when he says, brothers and sisters. Again, it's that family language. Everything that the body of Christ should be should be about family. And what does family do? Family loves, family protects. He goes on to say, sometimes those in the family get caught in wrongdoing or sin. You see, guys, the enemy sets traps. Jesus said in John chapter 10, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and to give it more, to you more abundantly. But guys, we have an enemy, and he sets traps for us. And we need our faith family to pry open those traps and set us free when that happens. Next, Paul says, restore such a person. Now, this word restore, remember, that has this, the, 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 uh, the original language here speaks to putting something back together, to repair it. It's the word that's used to, like when you have a broken bone and, you, and the doctor will set it just right, so what? So that it will heal properly. It will be restored to original health. Putting the broken back together. That's what God has called us to do. Now what this seems to indicate and what Paul seems to be teaching as I did some preparation both the before and this time is that this, this idea of, of, of wrongdoing or, or, or sin or however that it, it's ultimately sin, but whatever that tr- your translation says there, it's not talking about a, a minor offense when I show a moment of selfishness or this or that, but talking about destructive patterns of sin that the enemy leads us into that begins to destroy our relationship with him, our relationship with our families, our relationship with our church. It's, it's a stronghold that the enemy will begin to, to take in our lives. It's, it's like that, that, that brother or sister that comes home from a, a stressful day at work and work and, and, and has a drink and then the next night it's another drink and then before you know it it's, it's, it's every night but it's just one and then it becomes two and then before you know it each and every one of us probably knows a person where that, that, that trap was set and, and something caught them in that pattern and someone you, that you know in, in your community even now maybe you're noticing that they're working very long hours, maybe not because they have to, but because they're trying to, to get ahead and you're seeing them neglect their family. And you're close to them and you need to speak into that. There's myriad of other things, but what, what God's word is telling us here is that we are to be a people who cares for our brothers and sisters and our faith family. And we cannot do this by ignoring the brokenness or remaining silent. Now, of course, we talked about this. We always want to extend grace. But I don't know about you, but oftentimes my, when I say I'm wanting to extend grace, what I'm really doing is not wanting to step into the situation, if I'm honest. Because I don't know how they're going to respond. I don't, you know, I, I don't know if, if, if maybe I'm not seeing this right. You know, 
it's, it's going to be hard. You know, relationships are hard, right? We know that. That's why, you know, guys, that's why the enemy works so hard to create division, starting with your spouse, starting with your family. And the church is no different, especially when you read, when we just got through reading in, in John where Jesus said, the way that you love your faith family is going to tell the world that you love me. So what does he, the enemy want to do then? He wants to create division because that creates a, a distorted message to the world. And so that's his plan. And so, but we want to be somebody that extends grace, but we have to understand what, how does the scripture define grace? And in scripture, Jesus never looked at someone's sin and said, now that what you're doing is okay because I love you. But what he did say is, I love you and I want to lead you to something different. And, and when that person, or when we also, when we come to him in genuine repentance and humility, Jesus never, never turns his back. He always receives us. If it's the, the woman that was caught in adultery, who the religious spiritual elite wanted to stone, and Jesus' passion and desire was to restore if it's Zacchaeus who was a cheater, who cheated his own people, a chief tax collector who was a Jew working for the Romans, when he met Jesus, and we don't know in, 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 uh, in Luke 19, we don't know all that was said in that encounter. All we know is that he met Jesus, and when he did, something totally changed in his life. Restoring, remaking, rebuilding. We have to remember, guys, that we're not showing someone grace or true love when it's obvious that a brother or sister is trapped in something that's destructive and I don't do anything to help them. And then last, just the, this, on this part, is just the, notice the nature of the restore. Notice what he says, and this is the key to all of it because I think this is where it's blown so often. There's three things that he says about what when we're going to speak into someone else's life that we have to do first we have to it says the restore should be spiritual now it's not like you know spiritual right we hear that what he's saying here is that this person should be someone we were talking about earlier who demonstrates the fruit of the spirit they're abiding in Jesus on a consistent basis their passion is to follow him and the direction of his life demonstrates that in Matthew chapter uh, 7 verse 5 Jesus says first take the log out of your eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye Jesus is challenging us in that passage in Matthew to see our own hearts first and then act and that's what Paul is saying as well we've got to make sure that we see the debris in our own eye we have to make sure that we ourselves have confessed any known sin and that and he's rude because what he's trying to do here, guys, is he's trying to rule out spiritual pride, to take a posture of humility. Because God's word says in James 4 that, that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The second thing is he says the restore should be gentle. Gentleness, humility is the quality of the fruit that we just read about in Galatians chapter 5, which implies such a virtue that is developed over time as we abide with Jesus. Jesus makes us gentle like himself as we follow him. And third, the restore should be careful. 
Because we must always be aware that you and I are not immune to our lives going off the rails. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you walk with Jesus. I don't care, I don't care, any, I don't care what degrees you have. I don't care anything about that. I don't care what your name is. I don't care who your family is. There is no one in this room that is not capable of their life going completely off the rails when we take our eyes off Jesus and we begin to follow ourselves. So let's get to verse 2. Those who are living in patterns of destructive sin need our help. But secondly, those who are burdened need our help. If a Christian brother or sister is weighed down by some crushing burden, then we have a responsibility to do something quickly. I want us to look at Galatians chapter, chapter 6, starting in verse 2 now. Carry one another's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each person should examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in himself alone, and not in respect to someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Let me sum up those four verses, and then we'll get in a little more detail. You and I, as a faith family, should not let our brothers or sisters be crushed by burden. We need to be alert, quick to act, when we see that someone is being crushed under a burden. But this is a selfless act. And guys, it's a work of the Holy Spirit developing that fruit in us, because what's the, you know, what do we... Because in our lives, what we generally want to do is focus on our own need, our own burdens. But the Spirit of God, as we abide, produces love. And that involves caring about our burden, brother or sister. I want you to see this. Burdens are a reality. Burdens are a reality in this fallen world. Paul assumes that the Galatians will have burdens because they're unavoidable. And they may come in the form of many things, guys. They... These burdens, and in, in, in some, some of us have already experienced what I'm about to share, or maybe you will. They may come in the form of mental illness. They may come in the form of physical illness, financial crisis, demonic oppression, addiction, or family crisis. But one thing is for sure. No one will escape feeling the weight of such problems. In John chapter 16, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble and suffering, but take courage. I have conquered the world. The next thing I want us to see is that we're not self-sufficient. We've talked a little bit about that already. Paul not only assumes that we will have burdens, but that we cannot carry all of our own burdens all of the time. Certainly, we must always first cast our burdens on the Lord, knowing that He will sustain us. We read that in Psalm 55, 22. And yes, Jesus bore our ultimate burden when he died for us on the cross for our sin. But we are also instructed here and in other places of Scripture to share our trials and struggles with other believers. Sometimes the answer to our Psalm 55 prayer is found in the help of other believers. It reminds me of that pastor. I read this story when there was a church member that came up, up to him and she said, Pastor, I just wish we saw more miracles in our church and you know more wonders and signs and he said well I'll tell you what you see that lady sitting over there those three children her husband left her three months ago she just got evicted 
she's trying to start a life over with. I think it would be a miracle, a sign and a wonder if you would take her into your house for three months, take care of all her needs, help her to get back on her feet. You see, sometimes the miracle that God is wanting to do is through you. It's through his people. We are his hands and his feet. You see, even the best servants of God needed help. We saw this in, uh, man, in, in Numbers chapter 11 when Moses cried out, I can't carry all these people by myself. These people are a mess. But seriously, he was weighted down. Even his father-in-law Jethro in Exodus 18 said, this task is too heavy. What you're doing in trying to carry this load by yourself is not healthy. And in 2 Corinthians, uh, we see and read about Paul the, the very writer of, of Galatians that said that he was weary and afflicted, but the Lord used Titus to help him. He says, in fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5 and 6, in fact, when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. Instead, we were troubled in every way, conflicts on the outside, fears on the inside, but God who comforts the humble comforted us by the arrival of Titus. Even Paul needed support. We all need a Titus at times in our lives, and sometimes we need to be the Titus in our brother's or sister's life. You see, self-reliance is not a sign of spiritual strength, but actually a sign of spiritual weakness. I like this quote from Craig Rochelle. He said, we might impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. Did, did, you, did you catch that? We might impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. You know, I, as I shared earlier, I've, I've, I've been here for, for many years, been part of this church, and for several times through the years, I've had an opportunity to share up, to, 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 uh, to, to be up here and share and teach. But by far, the, the most positive feedback that I get when I share a message is always the ones when I share about personal pain, struggles, or weaknesses in my own life. Why is that? Because sometimes you, you know, sometimes people can look at people up here and think that they all have it together. But when we actually share about our own struggles, then what, you, what, what happens is we connect because you realize that we're on this journey together. There's no one that has, has it all together that Yes, there's a, there's a level of maturity that I need to have to maintain and to stay in this position. Yet the reality is, is I'm a sinner that God is continually transforming. And when I share about my struggles, you and I connect at a deeper level. Again, you might think that bearing your burdens alone and never showing emotion, never letting anyone in, or coming alongside you to help carry a burden is some kind of super spirituality. It's actually not. It will likely turn you into a bitter, burned out, easily irritable person that no one likes to be around. In the words of Louisa from the movie Encanto, Pressure like a drip, drip, drip that'll never stop. Pressure that'll tip, tip, tip till you just go pop. Whoa, oh, oh. If we don't like the thought 
and I, I, hate to, I hate to be so, you know, I, I hate to be so strong, but, but, but listen to this. If we don't like the thought of living in this type of interdependent com- biblical community of faith, then we don't actually like the way of following Jesus. Next, I want us to look at burden bearing as a command to all believers. The ministry of burden bearing is not just a suggestion, and it, it's not just reserved for pastoral types. It's, you know, it's, you know, to be an obedient Christian operating under the control and the power of the Holy Spirit, we must help others carry their heavy burdens. And that, and that is what it means to love each other. That's what it means to be the church. That's the kind of love that Jesus was talking about in John 13 that will send to the world and show the world that we actually are followers of Jesus. Next, I want us to see that burden bearing is, is how we fulfill the law of Christ. It's amazing. That law, which law is he talking about? John 13. New commandment I give you, that you love one another. And as you love each other, in true biblical community, the world will know that you are my disciples. That is fulfilling the law of Christ. Next, I I want you to see that pride can hinder burden bearing. And that's what he talks about in verses 3 and 4 here. And I, I wished I had more time really to, to delve into this. But what he's, because when you read it, sometimes that's, that's, that's what sometimes we miss in the translation from Greek to English. Sometimes we, we can miss um, exactly or maybe be unsure about exactly what he's saying. And what he's saying is, is for anyone who considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he says, deceives himself. He's saying some people think that they are something. And if you think that you're above stooping to help your brother or sister, Paul's saying we're deceived. But spiritual pride hinders brotherly love. I love, I don't know who came up with this quote, I don't know. But I loved it when I heard it. Maybe you've heard this, I never have. The only time you and I should ever look down on someone is when we're helping them up. I don't care what that person is going, going on and what's happening in their life right now, be it burden, be it, be it a sin pat- pattern or struggle in their life. The only time you and I should look down on a person is when we're lifting them up and loving them like Jesus. But pride hinders that. Pride will create a heart that resists humble service to the church family. And then lastly, I want us to see the difference between heavy burdens and lighter loads. You see, I could see in verse 5, it, you know, I could see how someone would think that, that this may contradict you know, what, you know, what he's saying. That, that from verse 2, you know, that we're to help carry each other's burdens. But what he's saying here, and again, the the, the original language is two different words. And, and in your translation from verse 2 and verse 5, it may say burden in both places. It may say load in the second place uh, in verse 5. But it's two different words in the original Greek. In the first uh, word, burden, in verse 2, it, it's that idea again of the crushing weight that is too heavy to carry by yourself. But he uses a different word, in verse 5, 
that speaks to more of like a backpack. You know, something that it, it, it has a weight to it, but it's something that we're called to carry. You know, it's like if you think maybe like a, a you know, our, our army or, or some of our armed forces and they have a backpack that they have to carry. It's heavy, yes, but it's, it's theirs to carry and they have to carry that on their own. And that's what he's getting at here in, in relation to verse 5. And the meaning is clear, is that some things in life are too heavy to bear alone. There are moments, those aren't every day, but there are moments in our life when we, we're going to bear something that we're going to need our brother or sister to help us with because it's too heavy to, to carry on our own. And we need that help. Other matters in life are equivalent to what I said earlier, you might just carrying uh, your daily responsibilities or your backpack. Now let's stop for just a moment and let's remember this, that no matter what we're going through in our life, be it a burden, be it our daily loads, that, that God is working in those situations. In James chapter 1, we see where God's word says, My brothers and sisters, consider it nothing but joy when you fall into sorts of trials and suffering, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect or mature, is the better word there, that, that what he's trying to say there, mature, growing in faith. Everything that we walk through, God is using it for his glory and our good. Also, we need to remember that not everything in our life, and it's what he's saying here in verse 5, is not everything in our life is uh, a crisis. It's not 9-11. There are things that we need to carry in our own backpack, but some things in life are just too heavy, as we said, and we need to ask for help. We don't need to, to treat loads as burdens or burdens as loads. We must carry our own load, but we must help with burdens. Some treat everything, as we shared earlier, like a load. They refuse to tell anyone or ask for help, and that is not healthy. And then some of us at times, we, we, if we're not careful, we can treat everything like a burden, like a crisis, and we're, we, you know, and we're looking for people to, to help us to fix things, and God may be wanting us to walk through that. Now you're saying, well, Rob, okay, just tell me, give me a list of burdens, what, you know, what is the burden list? What is the load list? Well, that's what, guys, so much of this has, comes down to your faith journey and your walk with God and the Spirit speaking to you. And when you're in close community with your brother or sister, then God will speak to you in those moments when you need to step in. Sometimes God will tell you just to bless someone. It's not really a crushing burden. It's just a load. But God may tell you to bless them. But he's wanting you to be attentive to the things that are crushing your brother or sister and being sensitive to move into those areas and help them. And so we need to be sensitive to that. As we kind of close down, I, I think this kind of, kind of wraps it up for me. I, I thought about this earlier, uh, about a week or so ago. I love this scene at the end of the film version of, of Tolkien's book, Return of the King. Any Lord of the Rings fans here? I mean, I, I know that was years ago. The Lord of the Rings, the third, part, the, the third part of that trilogy, Frodo, who's the main character, is close to compete, uh, completing his task of dropping the evil ring in the fire. But he is too weary and worn to make it up the mountain. And then his loyal friend says with tears and passion, Come, Mr. Frodo, 
I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. Spirit-filled believer helps his brother and sisters carry the burdens that crush them. The church should never be about sermons and songs, but also about loving, grace-filled biblical community where God's love is poured out for the world to see. And I hope that we all want to be a member of that kind of community. 2,000 years ago, Jesus bore our burden of sin. And so now let's walk with Jesus and imitate his life of burden bearing. Would you pray with me? We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.